Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show custom-built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. WebmasterRadio.fm presents CEO Coach. From funding the finance, set up the staffing, our CEO coaches break down the art of business development from the ground up. Now here to get you started are the experts of online business startup, management, and development. The founders of Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy. Welcome to CEO Coach. I'm Ann Kennedy, president of Outlines Venture Group and author of Global Search Engine Marketing. I'm here with Jillian Music, my partner at Outlines and co-founder of both Moz and Bread Approved. Together, we are serial entrepreneurs helping online companies launch, grow, pivot, and thrive. Find out more at outlinesventure.com. Hi, Jillian. Hey, Ann. How are you doing? What are we talking about today? Well, let's talk about mergers and acquisitions. We hear a lot from all sides about selling companies, you know? Every entrepreneur dreams of selling the company and cashing out, don't they? I always think it's like a boat. You know what they say about a boat owner? The happiest day of a boat owner's life is the day they buy it and the day they sell it. (laughs) So seriously, it's almost a trope that founders need to have in their have their exit in mind from the earliest days of their startup. Well, yes, um, that's true. And it's kind of true because we've been looking at uh, equity as the only way to fund a company. So the only way the investors get out their cash is to find a way to sell the company that they've invested in or to help it to go public. So they do ask that entrepreneurs say, you know, what's your exit in mind? And they keep that focus uh, all the time. I think that's changing. But in general, you better know how you're going to get out when you get in. So many are on a mission to solve that problem. And we talk about it as better ways to live and work today uh, together. And um, I think it's valid and even noble. But business is business. Making money for owners and investors included, right? If you have investors, they expect that return from your company. So they've uh, you know, gambled on a highly risky asset class and they do anticipate gains on their money. So that's the way we look at it. Um, when you get into business, know how you're going to exit and have an idea of when so that you can start putting in those um, dots along the way. And then, you know, there's, there's more rubbish in here, if you will. There's that idea of the double bottom line. Uh, the second bottom line being social impact in which you're doing good and doing well at the same time. So we call it doing well by doing good. Um, A double bottom line doesn't necessarily mean that you don't exit though, and uh, you're still expected to return a reasonable multiple to your investors. So in other words, if all you wanna do is make the world a better place and not make money for your investors, go start a nonprofit. Yes, absolutely. So now that we're uh, kind of, we're setting the stage, 
everybody gets into business, everybody's got to get out at some point. Uh, if you've taken equity, you have to be looking at either a, a merger and acquisition. In other words, you're selling your company to another company, or you have to go public. Today, we're going to talk about M&A, right? That's right. So, what do our founder listeners absolutely need to know about mergers and acquisitions? Well, I suppose the first thing would be when to sell. You know, and yeah. okay. the answer is when you have a buyer. Uh, not quite. <laughs> not quite. Um, I think the first thing is, you know, when to sell is the optimal time for the trajectory of your company and, of course, for your investors as well. You have to keep them in mind along the way. So they could be super, super early. I have, for example, in our portfolio, one company that will exit very early, and it is a merger. Uh, they're being acquired by another company that's a little later along the trajectory, but they're really merging because this smaller, younger company is a strategic part of the growth of the company that's kind of swallowing them up or merging with them. And together, they will move now to a bigger exit. In this case, there is no capital changing hands, right? In this case, they're really merging with stock. If any capital changes hands, it's nominal at this point. Um, it's really about the stock in the new company in which you say, well, one plus one equals three in this case. We are far more valuable together than we would be individually. And now that new company, it's still got the same branding as the, you know, the bigger one, right? It's not like they're forming a new company. But... Together, they move forward with a much bigger exit in mind, right? So you could exit very, very early in situations like that. And sometimes you have to look at it and say, well, not every buyer is the right buyer. Not every moment will give me my highest value uh, for my, you know, bang for my buck, if you will. So you might choose not to sell, uh, even though you have a ready buyer. And even might, if it's, I don't know, tens of millions of dollars, you might say, no, that's actually not the way I want to go. Uh, I'm going to push through. I either have enough capital or I can raise enough capital to get me through that next hurdle. And whatever my next hurdle is now makes me hundreds of millions, right? or maybe pushes to the billion-dollar exit. So it is possible to say no, even when you're looking at tens of millions of dollars. Right. But suppose you want to say yes. How do you pitch the deal? Okay. Let's move on to pitching deals. Um, let's assume that you've decided you like your buyer and you like the, uh, the general idea of you know, moving to this uh, end, if you will. Now, proactive sale is the most usual piece, right? A company gets to a certain point and they decide either they can't raise the next round of capital or they have reached a point at which they feel that they are sufficiently valuable to have an exit and they're kind of done. There are, you know, in other words, reasons of difficulty in moving forward or reasons of um, value and we have achieved our goal, one or the other, positives or negatives. Um, now you say, well, I want to sell. So now you make a short list of the companies that you would like to pitch to. This is when you go back kind of to your original pitch decks to the investors and say, well, I'm going to sell it this year, uh, it, you know, for this much money and so on. Are we really going to meet that mark? And once you've decided you're going to do it, whether you've met your mark or exceeded it, it doesn't matter. Um, then you make your short list of companies who might buy you. You take a look at who is involved in that. Now it's kind of a sales idea. You follow this through as if you were selling a product, but in this case, you're selling a company. 
You find out who's in the mergers and acquisitions department, who makes the decisions, who brings a deal into the table, why would they want to buy you is important. So now if it's something to do with marketing or engineering or manufacturing, uh, some other technology, who knows what, you want to get those uh, people in that department involved as well. So you may already be selling something to that company. You may be already integrated into their services. Um, it might be that you have something that they want in terms of operations or process or even product, and they have not yet engaged with your company. At any stage, you have to figure out where am I in my sales cycle? Who do I need to talk to? Who are the stakeholders and who's the buyer? Right? And these are as individuals inside a company. Which person inside company A is going to write the check and which people inside company A are going to kind of vet this idea and championing me uh, through the process. The champions are important. They are the people who go, yeah, we really want to work with these people. We think this is brilliant. They may not even know that you're selling your company um, to theirs or that you wish to. They just really love your product, your service, your opportunity, whatever the heck it is. Um, that would be your champions. So getting those ducks in a row are important. And then you want to get your champions first. Then you want to approach the buyer. And the buyer must finally give this to the board of directors in almost all situations, uh, unless it's a massive corporation and it's a small purchase. Um, so the board of directors will be involved and they have to approve the purchase of this outside resource. Major companies tend to, and even mid-sized companies, tend to grow by acquiring to other technologies. So they don't try to build these new companies inside themselves. They try to acquire them from outside. You really want to say, will I be a good fit? Uh, corporate culture, um, product or service? Can I enhance your bottom line? Can I uh, stem some other competitor in your industry from taking over a sector that's critical to your future success? All of those kinds of things you're looking at are the arguments for purchase. And that's what the board of directors is going to want to know. They want to know how important is the purchase that they're about to make? Are you a nice to have or an absolutely need to have? What is the value of what you bring and what's the value of taking you off the table so you don't bring it to their competitors? All right, those are two important pieces. What do you bring and what do you not bring to competitors if they take you off the table? Those are the two elements that will go into your valuation. That's the process of pitching a deal finding your champions, finding all the stakeholders, uh, mollifying fears, encouraging desires, formulating the value, and making sure that it gets to the final person who must take this to the board of directors and get their approval. So do the buyers hold all the power in these interactions? Uh, sometimes. Uh, the buyers have the money, and we always think of money as power. As you're selling your company, though, if you have the piece that will help this company survive in the future, if they cannot survive without you, you have the power, right? Then they are likely to be coming to you. You're not likely to be making lists of companies and, you know, pursuing them. They have probably knocked at your door and said, gee, have you considered early exit? Or maybe it's not even so early. Um, you know, would you consider a purchase? They would make a tender and offer. 
And uh, then you're, you know, holding all the cards at that point. Uh, it is likely that you can get a second offer from their competitors, but this is where we bring in um, the professionals for the game. As soon as you have an offer, you want to see if somebody else is going to give an offer. All only right. In a situation where it's the only one, that's when they have power. Okay. That's great, and I'm glad you mentioned professionals because we're going to talk about that in the uh, after the break. But right now, we must take a break for our sponsors because they like to make money too. So after the break, let's talk more about when and how to sell your startup. This is CEO Coach, and we'll be right back. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. You are now tuned in to the world's largest online radio podcast network for internet marketers looking to dominate the B2B marketplace. WebmasterRadio.fm WebmasterRadio.fm is home to some of the most respected authorities in all aspects of internet marketing, from SEO to affiliate marketing to social media, e-commerce, mobile marketing, and so much more. Our hosts travel to all stretches of the world and speak to the impact players that are affecting our industry on air, on demand, and available on every mobile device that you can imagine. This is WebmasterRadio.fm. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. We're back with Julian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to CEO Coach. Jillian and I are talking today about selling your startup and what you need to know even before you are considering your exit. So Jillian, before the break, you talked about finding a buyer, how to uh, make your company appealing to a buyer, and also what happens if you, if you as a startup are approached possibly possibly at a very early stage. Um, if you have something that is unique or that some other company has identified that will help them competitively. So one of the things you mentioned just before the break was bring in the professionals. So let's talk a little bit about who are these professionals and when do you need to engage them? 
Yeah. So mergers and acquisition specialists uh, run the gamut from you know multi-billion dollar deals. Uh, I don't know Quest and uh, uh, you know picking up uh, monster other companies. The merging of I think Singular and AT and T comes to mind. Those kinds of things, monster deals, uh, to very small deals in which they would help a company at uh, you know a million or a million and a half dollars sell to some other company that's probably worth not much more than ten to twenty. Um, so they run the gamut of monster to small. Uh, they certainly have a v wide variety of experience. Uh, one does not need to have a degree uh, specific to the field to hang out your shingle as an M&A specialist. I know investors, uh, angel investors. I know uh, attorneys. I know accountants and so on, all of whom have become M&A folks. Uh, so you just hang your shingle. Therefore, it's a buyer beware. Do your due diligence. Make sure you understand where these people have worked before. Have they worked in other mergers and acquisitions companies before? In other words, consultancies that focus on this. What kind of companies do they sell? That would be the industry sector and the sector of the world in which they sell them. Do they sell them to anybody around the world? Or are they only selling in, you know, Peoria? Um, uh, what kind of size deals have they done before? And certainly, of course, are they in your industry, technology, healthcare, and so on? You want to get somebody who really is in your niche. In other words, large enough, but not too large. Small enough and not too small. In your industry, understands who is buying and who is selling and why and when and where. It doesn't mean that's all the mergers and uh, acquisition specialists will know about, but certainly they will have some history in that space. Um, and when they have connections into those fields, they help you find your buyer better. Even if you've been approached, the first thing you want an M&A uh, specialist to do is find someone else who's interested too. Right? Does Expedia want to buy you? Well, what's TripAdvisor doing? Right? You want to figure that sort of thing out quickly. Um, so that's when you bring in the M&A specialist. If you've had an offer and you are considering it, go get yourself an hour or two of somebody who knows your space. You ask investors, advisors, attorneys, and accountants for their references. That's how you begin to find them. The second thing you do is uh, you call in an M&A specialist if you think it's time to sell, but you don't have an offer. And again, you find somebody who understands your space, your size, etc., who can help you to value your company and have reasonable expectations at what you might get should you sell your company. Once you have an idea of what's reasonable, you will have a clear path forward. One M&A specialist, probably not enough. You want to have a few of those meetings. What do you think you can sell my company for is a good question. Can you sell my company? Is this reasonable to expect that I will be able to do this? How long do you think it will take? You want to ask those kinds of questions and you want to get solid answers that you feel confident with. And then you want to go again to these attorneys, accountants, advisors, etc., and say, what do you know about this company, this person, their capabilities, and the veracity of their answers? How is your M&A specialist going to be compensated? Is there a standard by which they get compensated for their efforts on your behalf or 
not. They run a wild gamut. Um, some will take only um, a piece of the action at the end, um, usually ranging from about 7 to 15 percent, uh, 7 to 10 being, I think, the most common that I've heard at the smaller end. Um, for the monster murders, I actually don't know. I can't tell you what the, you know, the guys who did AT&T and uh, uh, Singular got. Um, but at the smaller end, those are kind of the numbers around it. Um, and again, there may be outliers. There are also those who will charge a few thousand a month to say, I don't know, seven, five, or 10,000 a month. These are all US dollars I'm talking about um, in order to be on retainer. And then they take a smaller percentage at the far end, maybe three, four, five percent of the deal at the far end. Both of those are reasonable options and they kind of come out to the same. It depends on how much uh, float this company or individual wants to give. In other words, they'll work diligently, but they won't take any money up front. It means they have some other way to you know, make a living themselves. Um, and some companies, of course, can't do that. So it depends on who you're working with. Okay, then. So a lot of times I hear the phrase aqua hire bandied around and somehow I think it doesn't have anything to do with water you know what does that mean when when somebody's company is aqui hired yes it's aqui a c q u i acquire hire so hire um, so not aqua with an a it has nothing to do with water you're right but it is about acquiring and hiring um, the compensation for an aqua hire uh, means, and by the way, the, the terminology first, aqua hire really means you are acquiring a company for the value of its people, right? In other words, you, you pay for getting that staff on board. You may pay something also for whatever technology they have, whatever um, community they may have built, uh, things like that, but at this point, you're looking to get that staff on your staff and you're taking them off the market. They have some knowledge of something that you want. So it's really about people and knowledge rather than about what's already built. Uh, companies that experience an aqua hire may have uh, developed something that nobody else has. They have um, intrinsic knowledge that would take a long time for the acquiring company to generate themselves, to develop themselves. So they want to bring this team on board that's generally pre-revenue, so you don't hire, uh, you don't buy them for you know, so many times the annual revenue, that's not going to work. You buy them for the value of what they bring to your company, saving you the time of building it yourself, right? And increasing the value of what your company has to sell today or quickly tomorrow. The aqua hire process uh, sometimes is thought of as uh, if there's really nothing else you're buying, uh, you say it's uh, somewhere around a half a million to maybe even one or two million dollars per person to get them in the door. It stops them from doing what they were doing, building independently and beyond you and beyond your control as the buying company, right? Takes them off the market and it brings it in-house to power whatever you're about to do. So again, those are usually kind of a strategic uh, purchase. Um, they can be something where you can't move forward unless you've got whatever the heck this little group of folks has. Or it could be a very small bit. Um, 
for example, a major corporation in an industry, they pick up this tiny little aqua hire and again, pay somewhere between 500, maybe a million dollars to get these people on board. Technology people are worth more, the marketing people worth less, uh, and so on. Usually because the technology people have developed something that the company requires. So we figure on that and usually an aqua hire is a melded buy. They're buying some kind of technology, system, community, um, sector that has been developed, knowledge of a space, and so on and so forth, and they are getting a person on board. The combination ends up usually being, I don't know, somewhere between one and a half and uh, three, four million dollars. So not a great deal of money in general, but you know, a small team brought on board. Uh, if it's a single person, probably about one and a half million. If it's two or three people, three and a half to five, not, you know, unheard of, uh, pretty normal. But there are all kinds of numbers in between. So it depends on your value and the value of what you built. And then isn't there frequently uh, something called an earnout involved? Well, yeah, the process, the compensation for these things, it's usually some cash, some stock, and then some earn out. The cash, that's easy. They'll give some kind of capital to the, you know, the folks who are invested in the company and then they're out of here. Uh, the founder or founders may get a little bit themselves and then one or more of those founders may come into the new company to work. Uh, they get some kind of a, you know, a salary, of course, but they earn out the balance of the purchase. In other words, they have some skin in the game. Uh, let's say it's a $2 million purchase. The first one and a half or one and a quarter million may be paid out, but the rest of it must be earned, usually like an options uh, deal, in which it's uh, a one-year cliff and then a four-year vesting. So at the end of one year of working for that company, you'll get 25% of that stock that you earn out and that's stock in their company, right, the, the new company. And the second year, you'll get now up to 50%, so you've got 50 total, and then 75, and then 100 after you've worked with them for that amount of time. Sometimes the earnout is only over three years, or sometimes the earnout is over benchmarks. Uh, when you brought us, I don't know, 10,000 new people in our community, when you sold X number of uh, product, you know, value of product to, uh, you know, the community of people we're selling to, whatever it is that you're supposed to do, you and the buyer company sort out what those uh, benchmarks will be. And that's when you earn the additional stock in their company. Now, that stock in their company may continue to be private stock. It often is. Public companies buy you. That's easy. It's kind of uh, the same as capital because you can sell your stock in the open market. Not so when it's a private company. So now your fortunes are tied to the new company. But you assume that you don't sell unless you think that the new company is going to be worth more. So it becomes valuable to you to acquire that new stock. And as a last point, isn't it to the um, to the entrepreneur's advantage to make sure that whatever those benchmarks might be are something that are actually within that person's ability or team's ability to achieve. Yeah, now you're talking about the nuts and bolts. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't, we've got to take a break. So uh, we'll get be back um, after we hear from our sponsors and maybe we can sum up some of the nuts and the bolts for our listeners. Okay. This is CEO Coach and we'll be right back. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this.
Celebrating the best in online advertising, the Web Marketing Association presents the 2018 Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Submit your banner ads, email ads, rich media, online newsletters, websites, and social media campaigns now by going to www.iacaward.org. Deadline for entries is January 31st, 2019. All winners will have their entry highlighted on the Internet Advertising Competition website, as well as receive a handsome trophy to display or a personalized certificate of achievement. Be honored among your online advertising peers by submitting your entry into the Web Marketing Association's 2018 Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Go to www.iacaward.org now. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network. We can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Thanks to an exclusive private offer available for a very limited number of companies. But you must act fast. Email brasco at wmr.fm and get your message delivered now. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let webmasterradio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. Webmasterradio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to CEO Coach. This is Ann Kennedy, and Jillian Music and I are talking today about selling your startup and what the basics that you need to know really are. So before the break, Jillian, we got into some nuts and bolts, and we only have a few minutes left. You know, this is the shortest segment of the show, but can you sum up some of the nuts and bolts that are uh, really important going into such a deal? Absolutely. So whether it's an aqua hire or a massive uh, sale of your company that's, you know, Zenith, uh, you're going to need these mergers and acquisition specialists in there. Certainly you're going to need attorneys. Uh, accountants will come in and do reviews of your books and so on. All of these pieces must be uh, completed before there is the due diligence, if you will, complete. It's very much like taking investment. And then finally, uh, the offer uh, for sale is constructed. One of the things that your M&A guys will work on is what these benchmarks for uh, earnouts would look like. This is when you have a certain amount of stock or stock options that you will earn in the new company once you begin working for them, and it comes to you over time. It can become just time, every year you will get so much, or it might be tied to benchmarks of achievements. With it tied to a benchmark of achievement, you want to make sure that whatever you have to achieve is within your purview and that you have some kind of protection should the company head in a different direction. In other words, they decide they no longer want to achieve those goals. 
Um, so that can make it impossible, of course, for you to achieve them. You have to make sure that you are financially protected uh, protected in such instances. In addition, you must be financially protected from being li- simply let go. Right now, if you're fired for cause, that's your problem. But if you're not fired for cause and you're simply let go again because the company goes in a different direction or for whatever reason they decide and you have worked diligently as agreed uh, in the contract, then what happens to that earn out? Uh, that's the sort of thing that your mergers and acquisitions people will look at. Uh, sometimes they will insist that you get the full sum. Sometimes they will insist you get a portion of it. You have to have so much notice. All of these things are in the devil in the details. And then finally, what happens if the new company sells quickly and precipitously, as is a wonderful thing, but if it does so, what happens to the extra earn out stock? And again, you want that to be you know, 100% vested upon an exit of the next company. These sorts of things are all hashed out and many more by your attorneys and your mergers and acquisition specialists. Right, and lots and lots of paperwork Yes. The, the Helium R. Donnelly deal um, started with a 16-page agreement between the two CEOs, and within a couple of months, we had 500-plus pages for each of two documents, one for the merger and one detailing the sale extensively with the kind of nuts and bolts you're talking about. And there were multiple rounds of each that all of us directors had to review and get comment on. Anyway. Yeah. The larger the deal. Oh, the more the paperwork. And it's kind of important that it happens, so don't rail against it, don't fight it, dig in, and just go through this process, reading every single thing that's in there. It will affect you, and you have to make sure that your people are doing a really good job for you. Okay, so let's rewind for a minute, because we, we kind of covered the closing part, but I have a couple of questions about the earlier stages. Um, in the first place, is it smart to always have your company ready for sale and are are there elements that go into that within reason just as one should always have one's company ready for investment or something there are times when you don't want that investment there are times when you don't want that sale right the sale comes when you have achieved a lot large benchmark and understand how much it's going to take to get to the next one, right? When you have scaled this mountain and you know how large that next mountain is going to be. Um, If you've decided that it's time to sell, then you must have a number in mind. You must be able to defend it, all of those things. So I often do say, never go to sleep at night or wake up in the morning without knowing your exit number. The question is, if somebody came to you today and offered to purchase your company, at what number would you let it go? And often I say to these very early stage investors, if I told you I'd give you a billion dollars today, you would sell it. But if I told you $10,000, you'd say no. Somewhere in between lies your number. So within reason, you want to say yes. But again, beware. There are times when you will simply not want to sell the company, even if you've taken equity. If you haven't taken equity, then you can hang on to your company forever. Its valuation may rise. You can use it to take out loans, uh, to uh, you know, push for the next um, you know, expansion of your company, all kinds of things. But you don't necessarily have to look to sell. Very good. So we've got just two minutes left. Let's do a lightning round of tips. Well, the first one would be, are you open to acquisition? It's just what we were talking about. Know whether or not you are open. If you want to push for acquisition, then be in touch with the companies that you think might want to buy you. And make sure you have more than one. It's always good to have people competing. Otherwise, you don't get the highest offer. The second one I would say is 
make sure that whoever you put on your list, if you're proactively seeking a sale, that you seriously align with the buyer's missions, their goals, their product development, not just with what they sell today. Are you essentially going where the ball is going to bounce in the future, or are you just solving a problem for today? Um, when you are part of what they must build tomorrow, you're worth more. So think about that. And then if your deal is an aqua hire, which is likely at the very earliest stages, you make sure that whatever benchmarks uh, you have set for your deferred payment, right, for that earnout, is in your control and all of those nuances are tended to. So when we think of these aqua hires, these very small sales and so on, uh, people pay less attention somehow. That's not a good idea. You get yourself a very good M&A guy who will really uh, advocate for your safety in the new situation. Those would be my hottest tips. Oh, they sound good, Jillian. Okay, that's it for this episode of CEO Coach. We'd like to thank our producers at Webmaster Radio for their support. You can download these shows at webmasterradio.fm forward slash shows forward slash CEO dash coach and also at iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and many other places around the web. You can find links and more on our Facebook page, which is called CEO Coach Podcast. Do stop by and hit the like button so we know you were there and tell us what you'd like to hear about on CEO Coach. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and you can find out more about how we help companies to launch, grow, pivot, and thrive at outlinesventure.com. Till next time. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.